0: Sense and Sensibility, the Inflation Guy podcast. I am Michael Ashton. I am the Inflation Guy, and I am your host. And today uh, we're doing a, just a a quick policy brief uh, on the Inflation Reduction Act. So this will be a shorter than usual uh, podcast episode. So the, the so-called Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, which has just been passed, Is also called by some Build Back Better Light, but it really is a lot smaller than the original Build Back Better plan. And before I describe what's in it, um, let me first say that this comment is not meant to be political. I'm not coming at this from the standpoint of a Republican or a Democrat. I'm coming at this from as a representative of the inflation guy party. And and my only interest in this podcast is to address the question of whether or not the Inflation Reduction Act is going to increase inflation or reduce inflation, as it says, um, or do nothing. Um, let me first tell you what's in it, and you've probably seen it in lots of places. But um, there's sort of uh, – as with any bill, there's probably you know 10,000 pages to it. But, but the main parts that I think are worth looking at um, – are that there's $369 billion in spending to accelerate transition to cleaner energy, uh, meaning to buy things, uh, subsidize things like solar panels and wind turbines and tax credits for uh, electric vehicle buyers and things like that. Um, there is a, uh, an increase in the uh, IRS's budget, of 80 billion or so to, to help collect better. And evidently they think that spending 80 billion will collect more than 80 billion, or there wouldn't be any worth any value in doing that. Um it the bill raises corporate taxes through something like an alternative minimum tax that, that says that businesses that end up paying less than 15% of their income have to pay at least 15% of their income. Um, and that's supposed to raise a little bit more than $300 billion over 10 years. Um, and then lastly, again, from, from the, the standpoint of the inflation guy, uh, it allows Medicare to negotiate drug prices, um, which they have not – has not previously been allowed to do. So, so again, from the inflation guy standpoint, you know, what is this likely to do uh, – what can we say about this bill, uh, about this act? First of all, let's recognize that it's going to end up being uh, a deficit at the end of the day. Um, I don't remember I believe they they claim that this is pretty close to a uh, to neutral um, taxes and spending offset. but as we all as we all know and, and have seen for many, many years, the spending in any bill is a hundred percent likely to happen and, and often more than. Than uh, is estimated, and the taxes, the tax collections, and other savings are less than 100 percent likely to happen, um, and in fact often get repealed or reduced or watered down later. So, there's almost certainly almost certain that there will be a decent amount of deficit spending in here. Um, the microeconomic effects uh, are are interesting, and I think worth looking at but we should recognize these are sort of relative price effects. And one of those, and I guess the, the more direct of those, is the effect that uh, spending a lot of money on, uh, giving people money to spend on electric vehicles is likely to lower the price of electric vehicles for consumers while raising the prices of the commodities that go into making things like batteries. Um, and since... Raising the prices of those commodities will affect lots and lots of other products. What you will see is you'll see a reduction in the price of electric vehicles and an increase in the in the uh, prices of lots and lots of other things, but small increases. Um, you know, other places that you use batteries will become more expensive because of the pressure on the price of lithium and things like that. Um, so you'll have, you know, a diffuse cost and a focused benefit, which, of course, is exactly what, what politicians like. Um, but that's no, you know, again, that's not a sort of a net negative for inflation. It just makes the inflation broader, which maybe is not a great thing. But, um, uh, but again, from, the, from a, a, a purely clinical standpoint, I, there's nothing there that automatically increases inflation or decreases it for that matter. Having Medicare negotiate drug prices is sort of interesting. A lot of people credit Medicare, um, the Medicare being able to negotiate with healthcare providers over the years, as being a reason that healthcare inflation has come down, has decelerated over many many years. The evidence of that is pretty slim, but but a lot of people credit, you know, the idea that if you've got a monopsonistic, you have a, a very large buyer. Uh, of goods and services, um, you know, like an insurance company, but in this case, a really, really big insurance company, negotiating all those prices, then they have more power and they can they can force prices to be lower. For that to be true, we can't. We have to have a market that's fundamentally inefficient, because otherwise, if what's and, and then the argument is that Medicare is solving this inefficiency um, by negotiating better than, you know, they're, they're leveling out the power. Individuals can't negotiate very well, so Medicare negotiating on their behalf reaches an efficient solution. Again, I don't think that the evidence on that is terribly strong, but that's the argument. Um, what this will do if Medicare succeeds in, in negotiating lower drug prices it, in terms of inflation is sort of interesting uh, because what Medicare pays for pharmaceuticals does not appear in the CPI because Medicare is not a consumer. You and I are consumers, Medicare is not. And so what the government pays for healthcare, what the government pays for for pharmaceuticals through through Medicare um, does not appear in CPI, it appears in PCE and it's one of the reasons that there's a difference why the PCE price index is lower. PCE inflation is lower than than CPI and this will just exacerbate that. Obviously if 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 Medicare succeeds in negotiating lower drug prices within Medicare then it means that that drug prices outside of Medicare will tend to go up somewhat to compensate. But again if there's an inefficiency then the Medicare negotiation could lower drug prices over a period of time. Um, let's call that speculative and hopeful, uh, but it's at least possible. If you believe there's an inefficiency in the market, and if there's a, if there's an inefficiency anywhere in the economy, it's in the provision of pharmaceutical uh, pharmaceuticals um, through you know a very small group of formularies and. Uh, you can make the argument that there is a decent inefficiency there. Um, the interesting part to me is the, the raising corporate taxes. Um, and uh, And when you listen to people explaining the Inflation Reduction Act, a lot of them sort of Say you know this is going to really help lower inflation. Is we're going to tax corporations more, and it it's it's an interesting statement because there's really nothing in economics that would that would say, that would say that that's going to happen. Um, if you raise the cost to a business, you would think, all those being equal, they would pass that on in prices um, to consumers. And in fact, that is what tends to happen. It, you know, the the Businesses want to make the the highest after-tax return that they can, and so if you raise their taxes, then you know we know that companies don't pay taxes. Either the shareholder pays it or the consumer pays it, and so you know, it tends to – at least some of that goes through to consumers. But the reason that, that the purveyors of the Inflation Reduction Act say that this will um, reduce inflation actually – tells you that they're relying still on modern monetary theory because modern monetary theory says, and I'm going to oversimplify, but not very much because it's a pretty simple and pretty stupid theory, says you can spend as much as you want, spend all the money you want. It won't create inflation, uh, except in some, you know, if you just happen to exceed, you know, the, uh, the, the the uh, the size of the, you know, the productive capability of the economy. Then you'll get some inflation. But then you just, you know, that so that first prescription is spend all you want. And then the second prescription is if you do get inflation, just tax the hell out of people and tax it all away. And that'll make inflation go back down. So you can see why government, why people in government really like MMT. On the one hand, it says spend more. On the other side, it says tax more. Spend more, tax more. Spend more, tax more hey, it's a prescription for big government, so why, what's not to like? Um, But, of course, just like there was never any reason to think that the first part of the MMT prescription, spend all you want and there won't be inflation, there was never a reason to think that was was going to work. Um, Anyone with half a brain knows that that doesn't work, knows that every time we've tried anything like that, you didn't get the right result, and now we can actually look at the result for this particular episode and see that they spent all they wanted, and yes, we got lots of inflation, just as, we, as everyone predicted. Um, and so there's no reason to think that if you just increase taxes like crazy, that that's going to reduce inflation. There's no reason to think that at all, except MMT says so. So it's interesting that that's one of the selling points of this legislation. It's just nonsense. Um, the real question about whether the Inflation Reduction Act causes inflation to go down or go up. Um, and honestly, I don't see a whole lot of arguments for going down other than potentially the Medicare thing, um, which I'm going to be agnostic on. Um, the, the The important macro point is how is the money raised to pay for all these things like solar panels and windmills? Um, the government, if they spend money, has to acquire that money in one of three ways. They have to beg, borrow, or steal. Beg means that they raise taxes. And granted if you've got if you're spending an extra 80 billion for IRS agent agents, it, it, maybe it's a little bit more than begging, but it fits under the beg, you know they're asking for money, okay? Or they borrow it, they issue bonds. Um, or they steal it, and the way they steal it is, that they inflated away inflation is just a tax um, and and it makes the it makes it all balance um, if you don't actually raise enough money through taxation you don't raise enough money through issuing bonds uh, to individuals then you end up getting it in inflation and in fact what happened the first time around was not just that we spent trillions of dollars we had trillions of dollars in spending but it didn't it, the government didn't issue bonds to pay for it. I mean they did issue bonds, but those bonds were immediately bought by the Federal Reserve so that effectively the money was was created, was printed, nobody had to give up any consumption to pay for the additional government spending. Okay? Otherwise, someone who buys a bond has to give up some consumption to buy that bond. And so and so government deficit or or, or surplus spending is somewhat inert when it comes to inflation, but if the if the Fed goes in and spends uh, and creates money to go and buy those bonds, then then it's inflationary. And in this case, the only way I can think of this is that this would be particularly inflationary is if the uh, if the government decided to issue the bonds to pay for these neat programs in some special program, you know, green bonds of some kind. That the Fed then decided that. You know, it would be good for the monetary authority to to support the movement uh, to you know for for climate protection, and so the Fed bought those bonds. Uh, if you see anything that looks like that, then it's going to be uh, simply inflationary, and, and no argument about it. But absent that, I think the answer is that this you will get uh, really no no large net effect um, uh, higher in inflation. Um, and so again the inflation guy the inflation guy party would have voted against this bill simply because the title of the bill the inflation reduction act uh, is just a little uh, deceptive there's no chance there's no real good sign that inflation will go down uh, or up as a result of this bill except in those microeconomic effects i talked about earlier so that's it that's all for today's podcast you can contact me as always, Inflation at enduringinvestments.com. You can follow the blog. The blog uh, has we've it, the, we've changed the URL. You can still get it at mikeashton.wordpress.com, but it's also inflationguy.blog, which is just neater. You can follow me on Twitter at inflation_guy or on the mobile app, the Inflation Guy mobile app. Um, most importantly, defend your money. Inflation is coming for you. Remember. You know a guy.